Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So yesterday marked World AIDS Day, uh, World International AIDS Day, and obviously this is a day internationally that observes how AIDS is doing around the world. Have we moved forward? Are we moving forward? And so on. I've got two guests with me today, and uh, one is somebody that's living with HIV. Cindy Pavesic is a, is an author as well as an activist and uh, living with HIV. Cindy, thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and thank you for having me. And I'm also joined by Dr. Yogan Pile, who's a Deputy Director General at HIV and AIDS TB Maternal Child and Women's Health National Department of Health. Very good afternoon to you, Dr. Pile. Uh, good afternoon, Pamela, and uh, good afternoon to the listeners. Cindy, just way of background, how long have you been living with HIV for? I've been living with uh, sorry, did you yes, Cindy. have a question for me? Yes. Sorry. Um, I've been living with the HIV virus for 15 years. 15 years. And, and you know, I, I think it's important for us to go back to how far we've come 15 years ago. Your personal experience with the virus, when you first found out, access to medication, access to information, how was that? It was actually terrible. There wasn't pre-counseling, there wasn't post-counseling, just just. And those are just the basics. Mm. Um, we obviously those years had to wait till our CD4 count reached 200. Then it went up to 350. Then up to 500. Um, the GPs were not very well informed either. So mm. it was quite a quite a train smash, to be quite honest. Dr. Pillay, from my understanding, we've made some some strides. I mean, we've done really, really well with getting access to medication for for patients and so on. In your view, are we doing enough? Are we doing, is this medication reaching everybody it needs to reach? Well, I think we uh, we are doing much better, as Cindy says. We're doing much better than when we started. Mm. Uh, We have now 5 million people on antiretrovirals. Mm. but there are another 2 million more that need to go on antiretrovirals at least. Uh, we've got about 7.9 million people living with HIV now. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get everyone on antiretrovirals for two reasons, Pumela. Uh, One is for their own health, of course. Mm-hmm. And as Cindy says, you know, if you have access to antiretrovirals, you take it every day, you can live, uh, you know, a healthy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't, you're going to be sick, you're going to have opportunistic infections like TB, and, you know, your your lifespan will be shortened quite considerably as well. And mm-hmm. the second reason is if you are HIV positive and not virally suppressed, then you are likely to transmit the virus to other people, mm-hmm. uh, which means that we will have more and more people becoming infected. So mm-hmm. those are the two reasons why treatment is very important. Dr. Pillay, there is lots of talk of people, even who have access to the medication, not necessarily going through with it because the side effects are so difficult for some of them. How much is that issue still still something that you need to deal with? Well, I guess the reality is that all medications have side effects of one kind or another. Mm. Um, the, the reason the minister last Wednesday introduced a new antiretroviral is because we are continuously looking for better and better drugs Mm. to treat patients. And the medication that was introduced by the minister last Wednesday uh, called TLD, uh, it's three drugs in one small pill Mm -hmm. taken once a day, has significantly fewer side effects compared to the current regimen, which is called TEE, in that it has uh, fewer side effects like uh, bad dreams, poor sleeping patterns, and also 
uh, fewer side effects related to some of the central nervous system conditions like depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we are continually looking for new drugs that have fewer and fewer side effects and that are able to reduce the viral load quickly, mm-hmm. which the new drug does. Cindy, is, is, your, is your virus suppressed? Yes, it is completely. Mine has been suppressed for about nine, going on ten years already. Okay. I did, however, um, I just want to add on to, to the fact that people do need to take their medication. Because when I originally found out my HIV status, I didn't go on because I had all the incorrect information. Mm. I'd heard such bad stories about the side effects. And I, in fact, um, was diagnosed with AIDS. Mm. by 2008 because I'd gone through um, two strokes, pneumonia, shingles, mm. I had TB meningitis, and I had cancer. Mm. So um, if we'd known more what we know now, um, it would have been a totally different uh, case. I mean, you, yes. s- you say that you had heard all these things about the side effects. What was your personal experience with the side effects? My perception at the time was, oh, my goodness, I'd rather just um, not go on to the medication yet until I absolutely have to. Mm. But nobody actually explained to me why I should go on to the medication, not why I should not. Mm -hmm. Everybody told me why I should not, Mm. but nobody told me why I should. And that, I think, is something that is seriously lacking um, as far as education is concerned Mm. in South Africa. We went through a phase, uh, Dr. Pele, where just the stigma itself was something to really deal with. So, yes, maybe we were trying to get the medication out there and so on, but there was so much stigma and people just admitting to themselves and to others that they were living with this virus. How are we doing there? Do we have the stats there? Well, things are better, but, uh, you know, stigma has not been completely eradicated. Mm. Uh, The message uh, from the department is that HIV is a chronic disease like any other, you know, whether it's hypertension or diabetes. Mm. um, And there's nothing really to be to stigmatize people about. Mm. Um, You know, interestingly enough, there's also continuing there's also continuing stigma around TB, Mm. which one can understand a little bit because it's passed through the air, you know, Mm. and for as long as you breathe, Mm. you're likely to contract TB. Whereas with HIV, there should be even less stigma because it depends on people's, well, firstly, disclosure. If you're HIV positive, taking yeah. treatment to be virally suppressed like Cindy is. Uh, and if you protect yourself uh, by consistent use of condoms, you can protect yourself uh, from, from the virus. So the things you can do to both protect yourself and protect other people. So there should be... Uh, you know, very little stigma. What is interesting is that uh, when le- leaders in communities either disclose their status or take a test yep. to show that, you know, you shouldn't be worried about the whether your test results come out as positive or negative, mm-hmm. that seems to have an impact on communities as well. So sure. we'll call on the leadership, whether it's political leadership or church or, you know, leadership uh, in the community to also take the HIV test so that uh, you know, people follow you, the people you lead can be equally empowered to take the test sure. and, and act responsibly, you know, depending on the test results. Yeah. Cindy, you obviously as an author and as an activist have a constituency that's now used to you being somebody that says, well, I'm HIV positive. In new spaces, how comfortable does that sit with whoever it is that you introduce yourself saying that to? Extremely comfortable. Um, mm. People around me, they acknowledge it. The, uh, 
just just touching on on the on the well, I don't use the S word. I use discrimination. Mm. People within the HIV industry or people that are HIV positive tend to use that word all the time. Mm. And quite honestly, people that are HIV positive are their own worst enemies as far as the S word. I'll have to mouth that. The stigma word is concerned. Yes, yes. We are by saying it, we're actually perpetrating the fact that there is a stigma, and within the the non-HIV community, they actually don't care that you're HIV positive. I do understand there are still cultures that have a little bit more of a, um, an attitude towards it. And I'm not only talking in the black culture, I'm talking about the Afrikaans culture, the very, very Afrikaans community. Sorry, all those people that I'm touching on now, but it is a fact um, because I have a lot to do with these people that that are out there and talking about um, uh, not liking or hating haters, HIV haters. There are people out there. And we basically, each and every one of us, have something that's hidden in our closet. Us being HIV positive is just different to yours. So we need to actually get past consistently saying, there's a stigma, there's a stigma, there's a stigma. It's just, it's just a nasty word. So you, you're saying there are communities that are complete, that reject and are haters specifically? Yes. You've, motioned, you've mentioned some. Yes. Uh, w- w- what's their perception? Why do you get this resistance? Their perception, their perception is definitely that um, you are sleeping around, that you are dirty, that you brought it upon yourself. Hmm. That is basically the, the, the feeling out there amongst those communities. Hmm. But, it's, you know... Adults have sex, and that's as simple as it is. Mm. Dr. Pene, you cheated on somebody that you actually acquired the disease, Mm. but hey. Dr. Pele, there was a time when a lot of focus and money had gone into um, preventative marketing campaigns, so people being taught about condom use and so on. I'm not sure if we are still there, or are people choosing to do different even as they know what should be done? Well, we continue to focus on prevention. Uh, So, for example, we know that medical male circumcision is uh, a very good way of preventing males from being infected and infecting others. Uh, So, you know, each year we circumcise about 600,000 people. We uh, distribute uh, male and female condoms uh, free of charge. They're scented and colored because that's what people said they would like, uh, you know, in order to use these condoms. Uh, we continue to give Did talks Did you say about male prevention. and female condoms? Yes, yeah. Where so are these female we, condoms you're distributing? Well, they are in our clinics. Uh, we How come they're not in the bathrooms like the male condoms are in the bathrooms? Well, they should be. And if they aren't, then, of course, it's a failure. They definitely, I've never seen are. one. I have never, not once have I seen yes, a female condom, <laughs> doctor. I know you haven't been in a woman's toilet. I can tell you that for free. Well, then, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad to. I'm, I'm glad to get this advice that we need to ensure that they are absolutely not. In fact, I can tell you women. that in the woman's toilet, are, are male condoms. That's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. So we need to we need to correct that. So that's that's uh, that's good advice. Uh, mm. We will correct. Doctor, that. Let, let me just um, open. If you don't mind, school, yes. In schools, as part of the uh, basic education's life skills program, mm. there's a fair amount taught about. Uh, you know, age-appropriate, developmentally yes. appropriate sexuality education yes. that includes issues around how to protect yourself from sexually transmitted infections, of which HIV is one.
Yeah, I mean, my question to me to 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 you, doctor, was a very different question. I'm asking whether I know that there is a lot being done about teaching people how to prevent it. What I'm asking is, when we look at the stats of how people behave, is it still because they don't know, or is it because they choose not to do what it is that's required? Mm-hmm. Let me just take a, a few minutes to take an ad break, and I'll also take some callers as well. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven, and uh, we'll let you in on this conversation as well. Call Pimelo Mutine now. All right, so we are discussing World AIDS Day, which was yesterday, an international day where we all observe uh, AIDS and, and, and how we've moved really in the space of AIDS and HIV. And my guests are Cindy Pivesic, uh, who's a trainer, who's an author as well, and living with HIV, Dr. Yogan uh, Pillay, Deputy Director General, HIV and AIDS, TB, Maternal, Child and Women's Health National Department of Health. They are joining me, and uh, I'm also going to open the lines on 089. 1104207 before we went to the ad break i was asking dr pillay whether we have we have assessed why for some people behavior doesn't change i know that there's a lot that's been done around education but there are still people who are not, and i'm trying to get from you um who are not doing what what it is that's advised for them to do is it because they they choose not to do it or or is it because some of this education is not going through no no you know um unfortunately behavior is a very complex uh, thing mm. and there are significantly different motivations depending on who you're talking to where they live how much education they've had uh what hope they have for the future you know, if you are unemployed and you have no prospects of having a job, um, then, you know, you, the way you behave is different to if you are gainfully employed and you see a bright future in front of you. So, you know, we must take into consideration the context in which people live, people work, people play, mm. uh, etc. So there's no one single answer to this. So mm. clearly we have to provide the information. Mm. Clearly we have to create an environment for people to live healthy lives, you know, whether it's HIV, TB, or diabetes, or hypertension, we have to create an environment for people to want to be healthy and want to stay healthy. And that is a whole of society uh, activity and, and job. It's not just the Department of Health, uh, even though we have a specific role to play in providing the information, providing the commodities, doing the testing, putting people on treatment, this uh, is really a societal issue that we must all work together to try and achieve a healthy society. Yeah, I mean, w- what you do have, which we don't have, which I don't have, which Cindy doesn't have and everybody doesn't have, is, is, is systems in place. You are able to collect data. And, and that's what I was trying to get at, to say, do we understand better about why people are not doing what they need to be doing? Has that data been collected, for instance? Yes, yeah, no, we do know, we do know. Mm. So some people don't have the information, Mm. um, and especially young people. Mm. Uh, The second is that young people are risk takers by nature. You Mm. know, most young people, adolescents and young people, think that nothing bad can happen to them. So one of the big challenges we have is what's called risk perception. Mm -hmm. If you don't perceive yourself to be at risk, and and what happens then is that people think that this can only happen to someone else. Mm. Uh, That's one big barrier. And, of course, what we then need to do collectively, working together, is to then inform people about the risks involved in, for example, 
unprotected sexual activity, mm. uh, as one example. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you will find doctors, for example, smoking and drinking excessively when they know what the consequences are, mm-hmm. uh, for example. So mm-hmm. uh, some people also use uh, negative ways of coping with stress. And as yes. you know, in the 21st century, yes. the stresses are, are significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we must also accept that having sexual relations for, for most people is very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So people engage in risky sexual behavior because it's enjoyable. Uh, because uh, it's something that uh, gives them pleasure. Now, what we need to do is to ensure, as you said previously, that we provide them with condoms and the ability to access condoms, for example, so that they can protect themselves when they're having sexual mm-hmm. activity. And I'm mentioning sexual activity in particular because the bulk of the HIV transmission in South Africa yes. is sexual. Yes, no, I understand that. I mean, of, of course, you know, their needle sharing and all the other things. I understand why you're going there. Rabaone, you're calling us from Pochestrum. Good afternoon, Rabaone. Good afternoon, how are you? Thank you so much for calling. I'm well, thank you. I'm good. Uh, not really, Dr. Mm, go ahead. Um, yeah, I just want, I, I'm just I'm just keeping on asking myself one question. Mm-hmm. Why can the cure for HIV uh, be found? Because according to my understanding, HIV has got a, 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 a new class like called uh, RNA transcriptase, which enables it to, to keep on changing and mutating health, the, the virus, I mean, like the immune system cannot really be able to. And then once it's defeated by, with the, with the help of the ARVs and immune system and everything, it runs to the central nervous system and, and stay there. And our the ARVs cannot penetrate the pores of the central nervous system, which is your, your brain, your spinal cord there. Uh, and then, and then that's the way, that, that, that's how you become particularly suppressed because now it's no longer really like you just transfer the nervous system and stay there. And then, you know, you keep on taking your medication. Once you, you, you stop taking your medication and then you, you, you and then uh, what happens is that comes back stronger and then you blah, blah, blah. But then you can't tell me all this here. Scientists are sitting in the lab to, to, to keep on make, to keep making improved ARVs. Which can really, you know, suppress the virus uh, uh, quicker. Uh, like, why, why, why can't there be the uh, uh, what's called ARV antivirus that can be able to penetrate the, the central nervous system so that it can just finish off the virus? I'll listen on the radio. Thank, thanks, Ravon. Doc, that's definitely for you. So there are a couple of reasons. One is that the virus does mutate. You know, mm. it changes. Uh, and the second is that uh, even when you're virally suppressed, as Cindy is, mm. the virus doesn't leave the body. It hides, it's, it's at low intensity, mm. and it hides in what's called reservoirs in the body. Now, to dig out the virus from these reservoirs and to prevent them from mutating is, you know, the key that uh, researchers and scientists are looking for. Mm. The second is that we know that, uh, you know, when people stop taking antiretrovirals, the viral load rebounds, it increases quite quickly and significantly. Mm-hmm. So there are two broad areas that people are looking at. One is vaccines, you know, like we have vaccines against TB and a range of other things, uh, measles, etc. So there's a search for a vaccine to prevent uh, HIV acquisition. And then there's something called broadly neutralizing antibodies uh, to try and stimulate the body's own response uh, to, the, to the virus uh, is another area of investigation. 
So, you know, there's a lot of money going into research. We're trying to find a cure, but we are not there yet. Yes. I mean, and, and there has been strides. I mean, we've seen that the um, the London patient, we've seen some some strides coming through. So, I mean, I don't think it's all over yet. And I know that um, Vitz is also working on some other things. So there is a lot that the medical fraternity is doing, Doc. You know, there is, uh, but the numbers of people that have been so-called cured is small. And, yes. they, and they're talking about what's called a functional cure. Yes. You know? so, so it's rather a complicated area. Mm. There's also bone marrow, marrow transplants that have been tried yes. uh, to also prevent uh, a rebound of the virus. Yes. And we have, you know, one or two examples of sex workers who are in, able to cure themselves. But again, the mechanism is not quite known. Uh, and that's what people are looking for. You know, what exactly is the mechanism to mm. kill off the virus mm. so that it does not hide anywhere it doesn't, uh, and it doesn't uh, rebound? Mm. S- Cindy, I mean, are you healthy? Would, would you regard uh, yourself as healthy? I'm, I am currently healthy, but I did have a heart attack, a massive heart attack last year, which is also, I didn't think it was initially related to my HIV status, but mm. um, so I obviously went to look up and um, checked whether my HIV status mm. accelerates mm. Um, such ill health. Mm. And yes, it, it did come back as such with mm. all the doctors and what have you that I did speak to as well. Mm. And But but otherwise, I'm, generally speaking, I'm pretty healthy. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't have any issues except I had all those diseases within yes. a four-year period. Yeah. And then I had a heart attack now and a double bypass in, in March of last year. But other than that, I... I'm pretty good to go and at this stage I am nearly 62 so <laughs> I think considering the fact that um, I had the heart attack is also part of yes, my yes. my genetics and my um, yes. my age Yeah, so, yes, Lovely, lovely talking aggravated. to you Really, thank you so much Cindy for making the time to talk to us, Cindy Pavesic who is an author and living with HIV and I also want to thank Dr. Yogan Pillay Deputy Director General HIV and AIDS TB Maternal Child and Welfare's Health National Department of Health for talking to us Uh, we were just really reflecting on World AIDS Day which happened yesterday. Two o'clock now let's go to Uzi Lesaku for the latest in SABC News